podcast is supported by the Victorian Planning Environmental Law Association, also known as VPLA. Hi, Pete. Hello, Jess. Today we're going to be doing something different and we'll be having an open discussion with our podcast cousins, Diego and Heather from Planners Under the Influence. Their podcast shares their experiences studying urban planning, but as of today they've graduated, um, and they interview students, academics and practitioners on what it's like to become an urban planner. Welcome, Diego and Heather. I I really admire your work. Jess and I know how hard it is to do a podcast and I'm very old and Jess isn't that old, but you're just students and you're producing a wonderfully interested, in, interesting podcast. Welcome to our program. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank We're you super for excited us. to be here. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Diego and I, I think, first met at a RMIT event. It was probably two or three months ago now. Yeah, um, yeah a long time ago. Which was really exciting. It, so was, it was pretty good and it was uh, randomly we just met downstairs we just met claire who was a professor who organized the event yeah. yeah yeah so it's kind of the, the this is the day yeah <laughs> to have this podcast. it's nice to finally meet the people behind the voices <laughs> yeah <laughs> diego you're from ecuador and heather you're from canada how long have you been in the country um two years for me almost three years oh well so you moved to melbourne for planning to study planning i mean I yeah, I literally yeah. moved to Melbourne just for my studies, and uh, it was a com- it was a change because I actually complete changed everything that I was doing back home. I'm not a planner. Uh, I'm not so a was it, planner. So was that your masters in planning for yes. both of you? Both yeah. of us. So what was your undergrads both in? Uh, I did international development, and ah, so there's right. like some crossover there: urban urbanization, urban development, and that's kind of what led me to this. And I did uh, industrial management, so I ah. focus on operations and logistics. Fantastic. Completely interesting. Yeah, and uh, it was yeah, it's crazy. The change is crazy, but it was worthwhile. And, and what, what? Why the title? Planners under the influence. Well, we went back and forth a little bit. I think it was Diego who came up with it, actually. But exactly, (laughs) we had the idea that, like, a lot of times after class, we were going to the bar with our friends and continuing our discussions from tutorial, and those were the best conversations. Like, that's where we'd really get into things. And both Diego and I love podcasts, so we kind of had the idea to start it, and we wanted to incorporate that, like, after class at the pub kind of feel. Um, And then it kind of works also because we as students were under the influence of whoever's teaching us and all these different ideas that we're learning and stuff, so. So yeah, it, it, it depends what type of influence you're talking about and you're <laughs> thinking about, but it basically was about a crossover between the bars and a crossover about lectures. That's, that's a good space. That's a good third space, Jess, to talk about these issues. And so uh, the wonderful Liz Taylor was the one that sort of um, urged you to create this podcast she, as well uh, she was a she was a big inspiration she was a big inspiration i guess and um and if you just look at it i think a, a big inspiration was the event yeah there was a the festival of urbanism held a podcasting cities event um and we had yeah. been casually talking about the podcast and this event came up and Did that was kind was of it, was that at curtain house yes exactly mm, jess i went there we were not invited to that <laughs> Yeah, just Pete was ropeable. We were too, we're too radical. It was, a, say we're too it was a so-called seminar about planning podcasts yeah. and planning exchange. One of the the best in Australia, I think. Yeah. Wasn't, Wasn't invited. That the I'm, I'm, I'm still well. sucking about that. Now, what have you learnt during the you know the podcast? 
what are the trials and tribulations and, and what have you found? What surprised you about it? For me, I think the biggest thing is just that when you reach out to people, they are receptive. Um, I'm not, that's not easy for me to reach out to people and to be fair, Diego does most of it, but just the fact that you reach out to these people and who you never expect to give you the time of day and then they're willing to sit down and have a beer or a coffee and actually have a full conversation, it's the coolest thing. Hmm. It's sort of like informal um, mentoring or yeah. informal networking, but recording it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It kind of creates a framework for those conversations. Otherwise, it's a bit scarier, I guess, to yeah. reach out. And I guess if you called someone up and said, hey, can I have a coffee? Like if you called up the head mm. of, you know, any organization or any government organization and said, can we have a coffee? They may or may not say yes. But if yeah. you say it's for a podcast and that there's some kind of, um, you know, business or planning associated with the discussion, they're much more likely to say yes. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we do, like, how do you guys get most of your guests? Well, you do a lot of just kind of blind reaching out to people. Yeah, I think between Pete and I, we both have pretty broad networks Mm. these days. Um, Yeah, and then through friends of friends and colleagues and you name it. We get some knockbacks, but not Mm. many. And, uh, you know, we're always looking for different, topics because we don't want to be talking to the same type of people and I think in Victoria as well um, as you guys will get to know as you enter the industry is it's a pretty small industry Mm. so it's sort of important for us I guess to look outside of those normal networks and um, think of different people and different topics beyond planning or topics that may be related to planning but still just a little bit off-centre. What, what surprised me, Jess, is that you can ask planning consultants. We've interviewed a number of planning consultants mm-hmm. and the amount of variation in the, in the answers right, in the conversation. and the motivations. So people aren't all in boxes. You mm. think, you know, council planners are that type of person or, you know, planning consultants or traffic engineers are that sort of person. And one thing that surprised me is just how much um, depth and mm-hmm. variation there is so that's that's wonderful now what sort of feedback do you get from your for your podcast um actually f- five stars <laughs> this is like this is um, this is something that we've been joking about but i i don't know i think we, we i don't think we haven't got into the feedback really uh we're just really grateful for people when they come to us and they say i mean or they tell us that they like the podcast. Well, you're off the air for a little bit and people yeah. said, you know, yeah. what's happened to the podcast? Yeah, yeah, the fact that people reached out about that. That, was actually, that, that was actually so. huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was recognized once for, <laughs> I introduced <laughs> exactly. myself and someone said, so, yeah. oh, from the podcast. And so that was pretty cool. <laughs> that was pretty good. Now, turning to your studies, why did you choose planning? Uh, I'll go first. I, so I think I mentioned a little, my background was international development and I took this one summer course that was... Um, focused on urbanization and development, and it just blew my mind. It was so fascinating. And all of these kind of issues we've been talking about mostly in a rural sense just felt so much more urgent and complex and interesting in the urban context. And so from that point, I guess I kind of tailored my the rest of my um, undergrad degree to focus on urban issues and research about it and stuff. And everything just is like compressed and um, yeah, so fascinating and complicated. And so then, when I realized planning was a thing. <laughs> that seemed like a good fit. Uh, for me, I s- I'm just going to repeat, and I think I've said this in every episode, I think everyone is an urban planner at heart. Everyone experiences the city. Everyone wants to change something. Everyone is affected by the built environment. 
and um, in in my case I got into planning I think I got into planning a long time ago I just didn't make this my career or I wanted to make this my studies in the future um, I actually didn't know that they have planning studies when I was when I was graduating high school we didn't know anything about planning um, I don't even think statutory planning is even recognized as a career back home and many countries it's, if you think about it even in Germany you don't have statutory planners the architects still signs plans they approve those kind of things uh, if you go in many different places they don't have this urban studies are might are just they go into under architecture Jess what did you do planning I was interested in lots of things. I was going to be a nurse. I was going to be a accountant, um, and then I was I started to be interested in property. And my dad, um, one of his good friends, is a um, very well recognised regional planner who he put me in touch with, and he convinced me that planning was the right career. So for me, and was it? <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. And so obviously, my interest in um, nursing and sort of that mm. health sector I've then kind of dovetailed that yeah. in um, through a master's in public health so mm -hmm. now I've kind of combined my love of health with um, planning so yeah definitely a slightly left of field way but what about you Pete? Uh, I did first year civil engineering. I know this is going back a few years. But <laughs> and uh, I did first year civil Jess thank you <laughs> and uh, came up to Melbourne and discovered the uh, sins of the city and completely failed engineering realized it wasn't for me so a family friend said you know good you can't do architecture because my <laughs> father was an architect and uh, so planning I went into planning I hear a lot of people wanting to get into architecture not quite making it finding planning and then realizing like oh this is where I should have been the whole time with a failed architect yeah <laughs> I, I, think, I think I know and it's true I think I am a frustrated architect and um, <laughs> and if I and I think I didn't have the courage to actually just go to architecture or just sign up for the architecture kind of program mm -hmm. as an undergrad. This and is the confession podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> so so what, what, what do you see, Heather and Diego, what do you see is wrong with our cities? With your cities specifically, like Australian cities? Well, or Austra like let's start with it. Well, let's just Australian cities. For me, well, this is pretty global, but like inequality and lack of inclusion in cities is sort of what drives me or what I find needs to change in cities and what, what I want to, I guess, focus on or work on. In terms of, is there any model city that you look to? I guess maybe the opposite. <laughs> so I'm from Vancouver and in Vancouver, the inequality is so visible. Like the homeless population is really big. Um, there's a lot of uh, work that's being done, but not necessarily effectively. And then there's... Um, just so much wealth and there's not much going on in between at least in the CBD and so whenever I go home and you just you, you're confronted with it and you can't escape that it just it's it's hard to think of anything else when I think of cities. But is there any model city that you look to that you think is very very good? I don't know if I've come across a city that okay, I think good. is doing that well. And, and, and Diego what what do you see is wrong with a with, with cities? Yeah, I don't, with know, cities. I don't know where to start but uh, <laughs> No, I mean, um, it's been a huge change for me. Um, I've seen, I, I, I see for me, even this transportation system is actually kind of works at sometimes and people do complain about it. Um, but I guess you have, to, you have to be true to yourself and see that many other cities don't have the same things that you guys have. 
and but when I really think uh, what I really think that what's wrong with cities is that cities are not for people and that's the first thing what makes a great city it's it's for people and um, we're still creating cities from aerials photos we still don't go down to the streets um, and that that's for me in every city that is the whole problem um, I'm I'm not saying the system is wrong, there's nothing. I'm just saying that the design of the city is still, people are getting it really wrong. You see, what do you think, Jess? I mean, we've had city planning in Australia for 100 years, say, not as we know it, but maybe post-war, and people are complaining about these problems. Is it a legacy planning issue? Is it the, the system that we've got isn't responsive? Uh, you know, we shouldn't have a lot of problems in the city. I, don't, I, I think as well you think of it from, from the perspective that you, no one's ever going to be happy with any particular outcome. There's always going to be something that we can improve on. And I think um, Diego's point about cities for people is a really valid point. I think that's probably one thing that we can all improve on um, because I think, you know, you do get wrapped up in just looking at cities from an aerial perspective. I, I think that's a, I definitely share that, share that view. But also um, what Heather said about um, inequity, in, in I think that's something that certainly Melbourne is experiencing. I think that's a huge issue. We don't want to be like San Francisco. No. That's where we're heading, but we don't want to be like that. Do you think? Like, one of the things that we've talked about in a few of our courses is, I guess they called it planners creep. So the idea that, like, the... Um, jurisdiction of planners is kind of expanding as there's all these urban issues are kind of fall under planning but aren't quite planning issues like um is that an issue for planning or is that something that we should be responsible for and planning for depends who you talk to <laughs> well, I, I think planners are i think planners have a capacity to help manage those issues mm-hmm. better than a lot of other I think we're, we're very good at corralling yeah. well, those sorts of issues into a sometimes what we think is a simplistic Well, architects design outcome. buildings typically. Mm. Engineers make everything work. Like, they keep everything going. But in terms of planners, are that hybrid, along with urban designers, I'm not saying traffic engineers are excluded or anything like mm. that, but I think to answer your question, I think planners are very well equipped more than yeah. most other professions. And maybe there's going to be a segmentation of the mm. profession more than it is. And I think that's the really nice thing about planning is that you are essentially an expert in all these yeah. little... Or not, not an expert, you're almost an expert <laughs> in all these little fields. Well, a lot of it's a religion though, Jess. That's what I'm coming around to. I yeah. think planning is a religion. Are we more like passionate? Are we I, passion- think, I think we are a passionate group of people. Definitely. I think we're one of the, one of the most passionate group of people that I've met... Coming, I totally agree. Coming from a completely different background, like a completely different degree, you don't meet this kind of people that actually kind of, they want to change their even their way of life because they want that. They're really, they truly believe on it. I mean, if you go to a school, to, if you go to our, we were talking this yesterday, if someone tells you, I am going to buy a car, you don't say that. <laughs> you will be looked really bad at, but I, I you know, it's just it's some oppressive. of the things. It sounds oppressive. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, 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 but awful. it's passionate. But it's passionate. No, it's that's like, terrible. No, it is passionate. What's going on in the unis? <laughs> it's just terrible. I read all these terrible things about unis being intolerant places. No, no, no. And are, shutting we are, down we opposing tolerate, views. We tolerate each other. 
Um, as long as you yeah. talk about we what we really like about. No, 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 no. I didn't want it to be like that. But I, I totally agree with your point, though, that like the level of passion in planning is yeah. out of this world. It's like someone um, that reach like you have someone to talk to and you agree with things. Yeah. Like going into a party that you hate, and then you meet someone that you talk to th- one thing that is your thing. Yeah. And all of these people are together in one room. Or to your point, Pete, disagree. Like <laughs> the passion is also present when people yeah. disagree. Well, well, there's a lot of group thinking planning. So I imagine where you're studying, you get all taught the same thing. I mean, how often in your studies do you look at developers creating stuff? How often in your studies do you acknowledge corporations that build things and make things for people and produce all the things that people have? How often in your studies do you ever do that? I think there's an acknowledgement that corporations are playing a role in developing cities, but I don't, I mean, there's disagreement among the students and among everyone there, whether that's a good thing. Well, I don't, I don't think it's a, I think it's an acknowledgement. I think you have to just really also be true to what's really happening. I mean, you just cannot turn the blind eye. I don't even know that expression, but like, you just can't look away from it. Um, I think I'm lucky also about coming from a pi- private background from working in a consultant, you know. But to be, to be fair, like we've had a, a few courses where it's half property students and half planning students, and there's a very clear divide. Well, I, I, I should say that I'm not completely anti-planning at all. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no I'm just saying he that... He just likes to be the bad cop. No, no, <laughs> Jess. I just, I just think that we don't recognise that everything we have around us is created by... Private enterprise, basically. We've, we've but I know private enterprise needs to be checked so that, you know, those things. So we've, we've spoken about this with a few people over the years about, um, you know, the fact that developers do get a bit of a bad rap quite a lot of the time and perhaps they do need to rebrand. But in order for them Creators. to rebrand, they need to probably produce some things that, you know, the community is proud of. So that oh, they yes, they do lots of things I like know, that. I know, but I'm saying we need more of those projects where the community, you know, holds it up and says, we oh, love proud this. Of, yeah. Well, and from Whereas what I understand... you don't hear a lot of that. Like, planners also have a bit of a bad reputation totally. with developers. So yeah, I don't totally. think it's just True. a one-sided Exactly issue. right. Yeah. And then engineers have a bad reputation mm. with other... Yeah. You know, it goes on and on. So Now, about the future. What do you <laughs> hope to... What do you... <laughs> I, I really like the. Yeah. Well, now, what do you want to? What do you hope to achieve as professionals? Um, You've only we, graduated. We, yeah. So yeah. We'll give you some grace. We kind of we and we thought of this. And before you answer this, for listeners, think back to when you were just graduated <laughs> and ask yourself that question about yourself. When you graduated, what did you hope to achieve? Mm. And that's why it's so interesting to hear Heather yeah. and Diego's response. Well, you want to go first? Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. I mean, I touched on it earlier. I think I want to focus on inclusion um, and how to make urban spaces more inclusive to different demographics that have historically been excluded or continue to be excluded. Um, I'm still figuring out if that's going to be, if I'm going to go the academic route and take do my PhD and kind of research or or do it through a different avenue. But that's where I see myself in the urban planning field, not necessarily working as a statutory planner or even a strategic planner, but in some sort of community development, creating inclusive spaces, I guess. Um, I don't know. We were actually going to ask you the same question. 
but we were had because you had, guys have experience so we wanted to ask you about what is the work that you be most proud of or the work that you're proud of but coming back to me what i really want to do i really do want to have an impact on the design on kind of the design aspect of the cities like i will if like i will die happy if i know that i've changed something for the better of people i'm really into this built environment how everything comes into the design uh, my thesis actually had to it was related to understanding the design of an open space and if i can work first on that like around that and if i can and if i can change something from it i think i'll be happy jess what do you uh do you want to achieve in your professional career hold on is that the question or is it what am i what am i most proud of well yeah what are you more most could proud go hand hand. yeah it can go both and both there's so many things <laughs> i've got that um, many jess huh i haven't got that many. <laughs> Um, I think, I mean, for me, the really valuable and, I guess, rewarding thing is actually seeing, you know, and looking out the window at South Bank here, not that I've worked on any of these buildings, but, you know, just looking at buildings that you have been involved with and not necessarily that you've designed them, but you've been involved through that negotiation mm. process and and perhaps negotiated something that has resulted in a much better um, community space, for example. Um, that's There's nothing better than seeing that going up before your eyes and you know you remember I remember looking at that plan and we told them to move this and do that and I think that's really I I get a lot of satisfaction out of seeing those things but I think probably more broadly from a um, strategic planning perspective I think that's where the real value lies in terms of that reward Um, seeing a community develop and um, integrate through a plan that you've helped put together is pretty incredible and you know not something that your friends and family can say that they do every day (laughs) it's um pretty cool what about you Pete well I'm not a great uh urban planner or or a good city planner I'm not a very good one but I I see myself as a business person in that space and I've had my business since 91 and um and I've had a lot of good relations with people and I'm very happy that they've done well and hopefully I've influenced some good, better outcomes. So lots of things I drive past, I think, wow. You know, I was working on that and I look up and I think, wow. And then you go and see other things and think, oh, that was that Miami Vice sort of phase or that was that, you know, different phases you can see. I think the other one, and I know you and I both do a lot of work in this um, space, Pete, is the liquor licensing and restaurant kind of space. And seeing, again, not that you're the one designing it, but just having been involved in those applications from start to finish and, you know, you rock up to the restaurant and, you know, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, I did a really lot of social that. housing work. So going back to those places is, yes, there's a conscience. No, it's not a conscience. It was just a business <laughs> thing, Jess, right? That was the business opportunity at the time. So I did a lot of social housing mm-hmm. work and it was really good. So Are those the things you envisioned yourself doing when you were just recent grads? I thought I was going to be, a, you know, we're going to some sort of socialist reimagining of the city. <laughs> when I was a graduate, I was a real lefty, oh. 
just when I came out. Ah, so you, you, you I changed. Was, I, I did, <laughs> yeah, I changed. I changed. You, you, you have to change. <laughs> you have to change. But what do they say? If you're not a if you're not a lefty when you're 20, you haven't oh, got a... Oh, I don't know about that. I haven't got a heart. <laughs> no, no, if, you, if you're not a lefty at 20, you haven't got a heart. If, you've, <laughs> if, you, if you're, st- you're still a lefty at 40, you've got no brain. So, do you know that joke? No. no. Okay. That's Is true. that a joke? So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sorry, Heather. I mean, no, no, I've heard it before. I, I've heard it before. I'm, you, I'm hopeful that when I'm you, 40, I'll still be a lefty. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you'd be paying lots of taxes. Anyway, so. That's the whole. So, yeah, that changes, <laughs> yeah. changes that your view on things. Can, can I ask you one question? We were just deciding about asking you one question. When did you decide to go on your own and do the work and become. The business? Yeah. I, there was a great property recession uh-huh. so I worked for a firm of architects and we had 125 people in the late 80s and it was it was crazy time yeah and money was splashing around everywhere and then the recession hit which it will hit this place soon I think and 125 went to 25 so wow. every Friday bang it was just like more sawdust on the floor more dead take them out and such a bad image in my head well it was like it was just it was just grim people were leaving the state victoria was losing population it was a disaster so rather than take the like the fourth or fifth pay cut i thought i'd try it myself and so it paid off it's been good to me hopefully it's been good to the community too <laughs> all right moving on jess Thank you to Song Bowden Planners, who offer excellent personalised service. Call Dave Song or Dan Bowden through details on our website. Also, we thank Victorian Planning Reports, our very first supporter. If you want the A to Z of planning decisions in Victoria and excellent editorials, please get yourself a subscription to the VPRs. Details on our website. This podcast is supported by our wonderful friends at One Mile Grid. One Mile Grid is a boutique consulting firm which offers traffic and transport engineering, transport planning and waste management services. You can find out more by visiting their website at www.onemilegrid.com.au. Let's talk about loneliness. and But that if this is an urban planning issue. Mm-hmm. Why do you think the loneliest people in our society are the 18 to 24-year-olds? That's a good question and it's... A bit alarming because I feel like that those were the years that I was surrounded by people and living with friends and unlonely or whatever the opposite of lonely is. But there is. But that that could be even an answer for your thesis. Are we explicitly are that type of group is explicitly excluded from the city? Are there being explicitly? Well, yeah. So as a part of my uh, thesis, I looked at youth exclusion from public open space. And there's a history of, I guess the age group's a little bit younger than 18 to 25, but that is often considered youth. youth. And there's not a lot of urban spaces that are designed for them. And in fact, they're often designed out of those spaces or, or like demonized in those spaces. But who likes skateboarders wrecking a place? Eh? I would love skateboarders. <laughs> <in the city. laughs> I mean, skateboarders are being physically active. They're being social. Like they're doing exactly. all of the things that they should be doing. To keep we healthy. we need more skateboarding in the city. It's it's welcoming there for the city, and it's pretty much, you know, those guys are resilient. You know, yeah. they fall. If they fell. Sorry about my... And they then, become a bit tent. of a spectacle sometimes. Like, I know down here along South Bank, there's... Yeah. Particularly on a Friday night, there's often quite a lot of um, skateboarders doing some pretty crazy things. But uh, just and getting um, back to the question, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and maybe skaters are 
belong to a group. Loneliness yeah, yeah. occurs, I'm not an expert, yeah. but because you don't belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone wants to contribute. Yeah. Everyone well, wants to feel useful. I think the other part to that, though, as well, and um, Heather, I didn't realise that's what your thesis mm. was in. Mine, when I did public health, was also in um, social connectedness. Oh, cool. In, um, in aged care. Mm-hmm. So I guess the other issue from that loneliness perspective, I think, is in the uh, much older generations yeah. when they go into aged care facilities and how you keep up those social connections. Well, and I wonder also, I mean, an element of loneliness is that it's self-reported often. So I yeah. wonder if there's, to what extent that age group is reporting high or like recognizes loneliness or, mm. I don't know, it's an interesting measurement. Mm. Do, do you know, Jess, that people in aged care homes, we just had a Royal Commission, they get one visitor a month on average, right? So we, it's like we've we've abdicated a responsibility to this sector, which is... Very mm. difficult. It's a very difficult space. But there's many factors into that, though, because a depending on where you're located, you may be a long way from family. Um, uh, if terrible you're going excuses, in, Jess. No, terrible. no. But if you're if you're going into aged care, we're talking aged care, not retirement. So they may be they may have severe dementia. They may have. Have you heard about there's um, aged care? I think in the Netherlands that there's yeah. there partnering um, uni students with aged yeah. care facilities and so uni students have yeah. Yeah. Like, reduced rates or, n- or no rates for housing and they stay with yeah. aged care residents and could have keep them and equally where they then put on um, the childcare centres yeah. into the aged care facilities the so. loss of volunteering in our society is terrible mm. and I think Heather that's the point getting those groups together if possible everyone benefits so everyone needs to do podcasts. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I, I, I think it's perspective. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to cheer for that. Yeah. For, yeah. I think also for that demographic, like it's really hard to get a job that pays well. So it's really hard to volunteer when you're trying to pay for rent and stay I, I, afloat. I don't get this. Why should you get well paid when you're that age? Well, I don't know no how skills. you can be expected well, to volunteer and be paid well. Yeah. Well, you should be paid well enough to afford rent. Yeah, most. I mean, I don't know how. Unpopular it's, uh, opinion, Pete. Very <laughs> unpopular. Too opinion. much whinging. When, when I was that age, I was just grateful to get a job. I didn't care what it was. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. Was yes. the, was was, was <laughs> the city was the city that expensive? Did the city require the you to? The city, the city wasn't that expensive, you, but, but my expectations weren't as high. But I think your expectations weren't as high because rent wasn't as high and buying a house wasn't as high of a demand. High that, of a and, and that's the problem that our cities are not creating. The housing. Mm. The yeah. variety for, of housing. Th- yeah. and, and that gets back to this legacy planning extent. issue. What is going wrong? Why isn't the housing... Well, we're producing all the same. We're not producing diversity. Well, and that goes back to... Developers. Well, develop, like the, the, where mine go, my mind goes is developers, which is, no. to your point, probably a product of my education somewhat. But, but that's market as well. So, I mean, yeah. there's, there's, there's a number of factors into that. There's, yeah, there's planning a lot of factors. Planning sets yeah. restrictions. Planning, is yeah. what it does is oh, it yeah. sets restrictions. Mm. Exactly. Um, and the legacy planning issues we've got, uh, I, I think that they can be updated. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of policies that need refresh and adaption to our modern society. It's shocking the situation we've got with housing. Mm-hmm. In a country like ours, it's massive. Yeah. Why should there be housing problems? Yeah, there sh- there shouldn't be. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even know, but there has to be the there has to be the the data that shows how many of the houses are unoccupied too. Ah, that was going to be my next question. It's about data. 
yeah. and how technology is perhaps um, positively or negatively influencing planning, do you think? I'm, I'm just going to say something. I think we, we are getting it really wrong what is the smart city. Mm. And I think... Mm. <sighs> what is a smart city? I mean, I feel like the term keeps being thrown around, but Everyone, what is a smart city? Yeah. A smart city is a city that has separated bike lanes. <laughs> As well, sorry? Separated bike lanes. Like bike yeah. lanes. Like a smart city is someone that it's really for the pedestrians. That's a smart city. That's, I think, that's actually acting smart. Yeah. Um, I don't think that technology is going to save us. And I think that we It's have not going to save us. Like AVs and, and all sorts of conversations are about how these flying Ubers and um, automated vehicles are going to save cities. But they seem like they're just reproducing all of the problems that we already have. It's evolving the cities, I think. Ooh. Well, I think, Diego, you've got to get out of the CBD. <clears throat> a, lot, a lot of, or the inner city. You know, bike lanes, I love them. I ride a bike, bike right? You but say you ride a bus. I ride a bus. <laughs> I, I ride a bus. I don't care. I love public yeah. transport. But most people don't live anywhere near here. Yeah, well, I, that's, I, like a, that's, a train. that's also a result of the planning of the planning system in place. We're very good at recreating what we've done. You know, like I, I caught the train up from Geelong this morning. The new suburbs out there, they're rolling them out like a carpet. And it's just the same, same, same. Big houses, small blocks. And we're very good at producing that. But there's no the in-between stuff. So... That's where planning should focus, I think. But how do respect. you think? But how do you not, not in the city? But not, not not in Fitzroy. But going back to your point, how this smart concept is gonna save that? Hey, how, how you can improve that situation? You diversify those outer That's areas. The smart city concept. No, how this how the smart city concept smart is going city, to smart, actually help that? Smart cities can tell you movement of people, vehicles, freight. It can do marvelous things. The data. We should become more scientific as a profession, I think. At the moment, it's a religion. I wouldn't call it an art, but we need to be informed by all that information so that we can make the best of the infrastructure. Yeah, but then... then Work it harder. Yeah, I, I mean... Is there a risk, though, I guess, to your point about becoming more scientific and relying on data, is there a risk that we do that in the place of involving people and like participation I, I think though like if you look at um what's the company neighborlytics like mm -hmm. you look at the data that they've got and and how they're using that data to help um, positively plan mm -hmm. and design cities i think that's different data to what we're probably talking about but i think there's positive data and there's probably uh, some negative yeah, data but i think the data that they're using for their planning is sensational mm -hmm. i mean getting um you know, numbers of people through cafes and through right. public spaces and how how often places are being used and accessed, I think, mm -hmm. is really positive. Um, what were you going to say, Pete? I was going to say, uh, Heather, I don't want to be this bad guy that crushes, <laughs> crushes all guy, your Pete. aspirations. You mentioned <laughs> consultation. Are is we is consult this already planned? Like, is this, like, the plan? Are you, like, are you... Pete's always bad cop. Uh, I, I sit far <laughs> enough away from Jess so she can't kick me. I want to tell you, Heather, I'm just, I'm just here. I'm the Grinch, right? I'm just <laughs> going to wreck, you know, throw away all those ideas about consultation. Mm. It doesn't happen. It's li yeah. Can I sorry, Jess. I think a lot of consultation is 
is show. Say it, say is show. It. Well, it is. is show. Which is I, I thought, it, I thought you were going to use a bad they don't word. Listen. Yeah. No, 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 no. I wouldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's show. And you consult people. You know, I remember years and years ago, I did this consultation program. I was so enthusiastic about it. We got nothing, right? So I got some friends to write some stuff in, right? Because we got nothing, mm-hmm. right? Well, I agree but, with and you. And also, when you get lots of stuff, it's from the same lobby mm. groups who are pushing... But that's why, I mean, we're moving into a new era on consultation. Just no, we reach. are. You're going to reach We are. We reach so many more people than what... Because I remember when I first started in planning, which wasn't that long ago... Um, <laughs> No way, Pete. Sorry, Pete. <laughs> You're bringing it on yourself. Um, I remember when when I first started, the the extent of consultation was so shallow. Like it mm-hmm. it really didn't penetrate past that. At least it was honest. No, These no, days it, it's just lip service. No, 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 no. It's it's far better than what it was. It was it was horrendous. I think when I first started. Whereas now, I feel like we're we're doing consultation in so many different forms that you do know you're actually reaching far further than what we mm-hmm. were. So I think we've got much smarter at that. I think we've got better at connecting with different groups of people and different backgrounds of people, um, but also recognising the different ways that people want to be consulted. Mm. And, and, and yes, it may look like you're doing you know, lots of the same thing, but they're all tailored in a different way that reaches different people. Google searches are the best thing. That tells you what people mm. want and what they're thinking about. <laughs> that is much better than any... Because trouble with consultation is when you're talking to people, people are so scared about being judged. That's mm. why people can relate, like with mental health problems, they can relate to a computer much better than a person because they don't feel like they're being judged. And so there's lots of research about that. So sorry, Jess. I'm coming from a different <laughs> angle. <right? laughs> I don't... I, we don't, we don't Planning exchange is not uniform. <laughs> Maybe this is my um, like fresh grad idealism, but I feel like the the problem is maybe with how we're consulting people and not with consultation in and of itself. Like that okay. can Set evolve, and we up can to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Just setting yeah, yourself I up. Totally to be disappointed. Agree. We yeah. can revisit this in a few years and see. No, it can be done really, really well. It just takes the right people with the right motivation and mm. the right um, connection to people. <laughs> I I I do think also it is a little bit hard too. I mean, um, it is hard. The scope, oh, the scope of the consultation can be pretty narrowed, and I do get what you're saying about, you know, there's always the same group of people that actually are there trying to oppose or trying to make something move forward. But then I also think about the people, and people will not participate until they don't feel really affected by something and as soon as they hear something that is going to affect them personally that's the time that they're just going to come up and it's really hard for we're not going to be able to keep up with everyone there's always going to be an issue there's always going to be a negative feedback because i think that's how things are i mean it's but it's a contested space Hmm. and there's different people there's people inside the tent who've got the stuff, mm-hmm. there's people who want to come in the tent. Uh, I, I agree with consultation with lobby groups and things like that, but I just think, Jess, a lot of the decision makers have already made up their mind mm. and they're going through the process. Because you think about it, you put out your strategies and stuff like that, this is what we think, then you go and consult the public. <laughs> Are you going to be say, oh, yeah, we got all that wrong? Oh, we might tinker around the edges and do that, but they're not going to say, oh, my God, we stuffed up. 
you know, well, but then the public, the ignorant public, know more than us. Consultation could happen earlier before the plans are made. So we had a question regarding the podcast. Um, a few questions about the podcast, but the one that was kind of most interesting to us was how has podcasting about cities and urban planning influenced how you practice as professionals? It's informed some of my submissions to VCAT mm -hmm. because I take a lot, a lot of broader issues, not just planning podcasts, but other things. Mm -hmm. And that shapes the way you think about things. And I think podcasts are incredibly enriching. Mm -hmm. They're entertaining. But they're, and you hear people and you think, oh my gosh, that's, so, that's a new way of looking at things. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it takes you outside of the box. Mm you know, in the box of this office. It <laughs> takes me outside of that and makes me think of um, all these different viewpoints and opinions that I wouldn't have thought about previously. And also, I think... And, and I think also, the, I guess, the networking component of just talking to so many people that is invaluable. Mm -hmm. Just the, the number of opinions and um, personalities that we have access to is, has been amazing. Mm -hmm. And podcasts seem more intimate than mm. radio. Yeah. It's a niche. It's a niche. They because will listen to you because they want to hear about that specific subject. Yeah. But for us, it's a great joy presenting, mm -hmm. you know, interview subjects like yourselves to... Uh, and we get very good feedback mm -hmm. and uh, about, you know, wow, that, you know, that person, I didn't know that or that was really interesting. You know, it made me think about this. So it's an absolute, absolute privilege mm -hmm. to produce this content. Right. And we, uh, we've been having conversations between the two of us about like, how we want to move forward and how we want to measure success with our podcast. So like, how do you measure success with your podcast? We, 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 have, we have download numbers, of course, mm -hmm. so we have that. But it's also like random people. Mm -hmm. um, like we interviewed someone from the EPA mm -hmm. and recently and the media person there said, oh, one of our planners when they're in Singapore, listen to your podcast to keep up to date with things. <laughs> or uh, I got in touch with a, um, got a project on a local government plan and I said, look, just for something different, I, I run a podcast with Jess. Uh, who do you think we should interview? Mm -hmm. Because when the two of us, we come from a fairly narrow field, it's nice to have other suggestions. Mm -hmm. And he said, look, I wasn't going to say it, but I do listen to your podcast. Mm -hmm. I'd like to hear, you know, these sort of, you know. And that's really flattering mm -hmm. and also very humbling yeah. too. Yeah, I'd you agree. Think I think, you know, you, you deal with a million people every day and the number of people that actually mention the podcast and you go, oh, wow, people actually listen to this. <laughs> this is great. Um, and equally at events and um, other networking things mm -hmm. that we go to, the number of people that actually come up to you and compliment you on, you know, a particular comment that was made mm. or a particular person that was interviewed and how much they enjoyed it, it's, it's really nice. And like you were saying before, mm. Heather, that people, you know, have pulled you up in the yeah. street and said <laughs> things and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realise people you're actually lucky. knew that. You're lucky. Yeah, it hasn't happened to Diego she, yet. Yeah. So he's a bit, <laughs> she's, he's one a bit of, she's one of the lucky ones right now. But um, someday, you know. So we're coming to the end of the podcast now, Jess. Podcast Extra. So mm -hmm. we ask our guests, what are you reading, watching, listening mm -hmm. to at the moment? Uh, Heather? Um, so I thought of a book that uh, was recommended to me while I was doing my thesis. It's called Don't Think of an Elephant by George Lakoff. It's all about framing and 
and how the way we frame language changes the outcome. And so part of my analysis for my thesis was, was frame analysis. And so it was, I guess, helpful in that, but also just in every day, like how I'm interpreting the news and how I'm inter interpreting conversations with people and stuff, like the way things are framed is so powerful. And so that's been really cool. Diego? Um, I'm actually, I just started a book um, called Dream Cities. Um, and it's, uh, it's been pretty revealing. It's actually just, it takes what are the, basically like what has been the most important kind of planning uh, stepping stones. We haven't realized it yet, but those are the things that have uh, just gave us the future that we're living in right now or give us the present that we're living in right now. So yeah, Dream Cities has been really good. Plus, um, yeah, I've been doing a little bit of Netflix too, so I'm just watching <laughs> a little bit of that. I'm, I don't have any deadlines, so I'm just having a big time on, on online. And, and I should have asked this, what sort of work do you want to do when you graduate? Well, you know that you've graduated. What sort of work do you want to do? You're asking the question to people that just the graduated. Question. The hardest <laughs> questions. No, but it's a, it's a really good question. Um, yeah. I personally don't know. I, I'm in between. Keep um, an open mind. Um, yeah. That's the best way to be. Yeah. yeah, but in a way, I need to find a job <laughs> <laughs> or, anything that, or anything that pays. Uh, but we've been, uh, we've been talking just randomly about what we really want to do. Um, and even, even in the podcast, we've discussed about the path that we take. Luckily, we both haven't, we have taken the same path we have so doing. Far. Yeah, so far, so far. <laughs> we have done thesis. And um, that kind of sits up in a position of we might do a PhD in a w in in the future, mm -hmm. or we just just go and work and go into the planning world. Mm. Um, but as for now, I'm still kind of blanked. You? I'm really interested in research. I really loved the whole thesis process. So continuing in research, whether that's for a council or um, academically, and academically is particularly appealing because I like the idea of teaching as well. And so that's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't master until you teach, pretty much. So we will... Can I ask you guys one question? And this is one of the recommendations that one of my friends, like acknowledgement of one of my friends who listened to the podcast. And uh, he gave me a good tip, though. No, I think it was like a good... It was a good thing. He was like, hey, I want to know you or I want to know your the people that you talk to outside of the planning world. I want to know you in a personal way too. Um, what do you do when you're not planning? When you're not planners, <laughs> or what do you enjoy? Like, for example, we can talk. We always talk about what do you read, what is stuff like that. Maybe you're into AFL, or maybe you're not into AFL. Maybe you're into <laughs> skating. But we want to know who is Jess. A skater. We want to. <laughs> we want to know who is who is Jess and who is. Peter. Well, we'll get to that over the next podcast. No, <laughs> <laughs> no just now we, we've got to wrap it up. We can't go about. It's no, not no, about. It's not about us. It's about us. We need to finish that. Oh, all right. You go. Um, what have you been listening to, watching? No, no. What? Who are you outside of work? Oh, lots of things. Lots of things. Do you just just one? Come on. Well, lots of things. You just need to reveal it. Well, Pete. I, I like doing conservation work. Uh, you know, family, of course. 
friends, uh-huh. movies, volunteering, football. Volunteering well, at the Queenscliff Music Festival. Well, this weekend, um, <laughs> I'll skip to podcast extra, but this weekend, last weekend I volunteered at the Queenscliff Music Festival the second year running. All oh, right. Worked on the trains. Great fun. Uh, you know, people should volunteer so much. Working with the artists, working with people, helping people. It's a brilliant festival. I love it. I can't wait to do it again. Very cool. And Jess? Um, I'm a hiker, a outdoor enthusiast. Um, I love anything sort of fitness-wise. Mm. Um, what else do I do? A lot of quilting, which oh, probably cool. throw a lot of people off. <laughs> um, lots of baby quilts at the moment. Lots of my friends are having babies. Oh, so cute. that's really exciting. It's a really nice little gift to give people. Um, that's probably... And Jess breaks for Essendon. I do, I do. And I'm a mad Geelong supporter. So <laughs> We're not friends. <laughs> and and uh, Jess, what are you reading, watching, listening to? Um, I've been reading this book, which I'm embarrassed to say has taken me probably close to two months, even though I've been on holidays for two weeks in Tasmania. Um, Flashman is in Trouble. By Katie Wardman. I've yes. read that, Jess. It's are you reading it as well, Pete? Oh, no, I've read it. Oh, I've you read, read it. it. And it's... Oh. It, is the, one of the most insightful books I've read in the last well, five years. It's interesting because I started reading it thinking, I'm not quite sure this is the book for me. And I've, Stick with I've, it. I've, I've, it I have it's it's set it. in New York. It is. And I'm about 70% uh, through. Uh, it, it, was, it seared me, seared my heart reading that experiences because I shared some of those experiences in the book. So, but keep it at it, It was recommended Jess. by probably two or three podcasts. Mm. That's the reason I started it's reading it. It's outstanding. Uh, so it's... Freshman is in Flash, I think it's Freshman, Freshman is in trouble by Katie Wardman. So that's the end of our podcast, Sally. So great to have our podcast cousin students <laughs> here with us. No, it's no, no. As of today. Planners. 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 <laughs> graduates. Master planners. Graduates. Sorry, graduates. <laughs> it's it's wonderful to have the planners under the influence. Thank podcast. You. I think we've got some great talent coming through, Jess. Very impressive. I'm sure that they will... You know, hope they their enthusiasm is not knocked out of them. <laughs> well, particularly after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just called realism. But thank you, Diego. Skepticism. <laughs> no, skepticism is a healthy thing. We should be more skeptical, right? We'll leave that with you, Pete. <laughs> Heather, Diego, lovely to we have you. Thank, thank you very much Pleasure. for having us. And Your office is really as nice. always great doing podcasts with you. Thank you, and thanks, <laughs> thanks, listeners for taking your time to listen to our podcast and please listen to the Urban Broadcast as well. Thank you again. Goodbye.